0: Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan, and today's guest on the show is Hilary Woods. Hilary released a brilliant album, brilliant debut album in 2018 called Cult on Sacred Bones Records. It's one that I've really kind of uh, sank into in January. It's a really warming album that I found. I just really, really like coming home late at night from work. I work an evening job and I really love just pressing play on this and you just kind of sink into it. It's a... it's a tough listen, lyrically, um, but it's also a really, really lush listen, so I was delighted to get to talk about the creation of that album with Hilary, literally made in her bedroom, and the kind of journey that she's been on. She used to play with JJ72, when she was, as she says in the interview that's about to follow, in sixth year of school. So she was on the road with them for a couple of years before deciding that she needed a little bit of a change. And then she kind of went into various different arts and art forms and trying to keep the creativity going before she tentatively comes back to music and starts making her own stuff which is obviously totally different to what went before for her. And it's really, really worked out. Cult is, it follows uh, a couple of EPs that she released over the past few years. And it just really, really is a standout release of 2018 on Sacred Bones. Hillary is also going to be headlining Quarter Block Party, which is back in Cork for its fifth edition in February 8th to 10th. It's a week later than usual. It's always one of my favorite weekends of the year. It's also one of the first big musical weekends of the year for me too and this year is n- no different to previous years it's got a really really great music lineup and if you're not just into music it's got something for everyone it's got dance it's got theater it's got exhibitions it's got talks it's got a lot of things going on so uh, I'll stick to what I know which is the music you've got the likes of uh, Eve Clegg, Laurie Shaw, Rising Damp playing in Plugged on the 8th of February. You've got Junior Brother, Shukra, and Yankee in a really, really great lineup uh, playing in the Spalpeen Phonic on the 8th of February as well. You've got dance acts like Laura Lalls, Court, and Gadget in the Cloud playing in Dali on the same night as well. You've got Naked Boys reading What? Later on in the weekend as well, you have the likes of uh, Sam Clegg, Maya Sophia, Laura Duff, and Trickmas playing. Uh, In Plugged on the Saturday, you have Kneecap, Barry Wilson and Silverbacks, Silverbacks who released uh, a couple of my favorite tracks from last year. I can't wait to see them live. I saw one song, I think, at Hardworking Class Heroes uh, six months ago and it was really, really great. I'm looking forward to seeing a full 40, 50 minute set from them. The Boom, who are amazing live, are going to be playing in Dali. I think that's going to go off on the Saturday night ghost king is dead is playing post punk podge is going to be in town hillary woods and flowers at night really interesting uh artists really interesting lineup they're going to be in driscoll christchurch on the saturday night as well if you want something a little bit different from dali yeah dublin digital radio are going to be in town landless Anamique and colin o'brien are going to kind of start closing things down a little bit with a show on Sunday afternoon, evening in Collins. Landless have been on the podcast before. They're great. Anna Meek will hopefully be on the podcast later in the year. I can't wait to talk to her about her fingers crossed debut album that's going to be coming out. That's going to be amazing. And then sing along social at Quarter Block Party. That's going to be in Collins Live as well. That's going to close the weekend. If you've never been to Quarter Block Party before, it's such a fun weekend. There's so much going on. Uh, you'll be exhausted afterwards. You'll be exhilarated. Your creative juices will be flowing, and you may also uh, uh, have a slight hangover. But that's for that's for February eleventh. Uh, that's for then to worry about. Uh, So you can buy tickets uh, for that weekend. You can buy standalone event tickets as well. All the information is at their quarter block party on Facebook or their website as well. So check them out. But we're going to continue on now with uh, Hilary Woods. It was really great to chat to her on Thursday morning. Uh, Hope you enjoy the interview. You seem like someone who's been very busy a lot recently. Like, Where are you now? What are you up to?
1: It's been a a hectic time, but... Yeah, good. good. A productive time and creative and yeah, I suppose right now I'm just preparing to go on tour next week amongst uh, a few other things. So
0: It was announced this week that you're supporting Low in Europe in February. How did that come about?
1: Uh, yeah, it was kind of amazing because I, I received an email out of the blue so, uh, over Christmas time. So that was nice. That's how that came about. <laughs> That's how that came about.
0: Is it that easy, yeah
1: well normally it's it's, it's that was just a, like it was literally just a gift um from the universe i i I didn't anticipate that or seek it out, you know, so I was really taken aback and felt very flattered, so it was an immediate it, it was an immediate yes
0: i uh, I presume that it was they're like one of your like favorite bands. That like it must have just been like such a as you say like a gift from the universe. Like thank thank you so much for this.
1: Yes, totally. I mean, I um, I love their new record, and um, I I mean, obviously, I I didn't even know that they they they're aware of my existence. You know, (laughs) so um, yeah, it was nice. I'm excited about the shows.
0: Them becoming aware of your existence is it just like through. The record label hookup, like that, that it just came about, or like, do you find out, like, where where did you hear my music over the past year?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the label was as surprised as I was, you know. So uh, there was no, there's no um, crossover there in terms of they're on a different record label, and yeah, I think it was <laughs> just delight all around, and um, yeah, it's it's so nice to be heading out on tour with. Uh, artists that I love and venues are great and and to uh, an audience that I think will be receptive to what I do too.
0: Did you kind of have to drop a few things to be like yes I am going to make this work it doesn't seem like there's a whole (laughs) lot of time in in between were you like there's nothing stopping me going out on tour with Lowe in Europe in February?
1: (laughs) Well I suppose I knew at Christmas time so I had a bit of time before the announcement but oh okay but even still um yeah I mean I have a busy personal life and yeah, it's it's always a case with me that I have to carve out the time, you know, and, and sort a lot out. But this is worth it, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just another couple of gigs before we kind of move back a little bit and talk about the album and your journey. Uh you played Eurosonic as well yeah. last week. How was uh how was that show?
1: I think the show itself was was uh really good. But I, yeah, I suppose it wouldn't be my my cup of tea as a festival. It's just very industry oriented. So, um It was fine, but I, yeah, I mean, it was a different one for me to do. But yes, there's a lot of industry at it. And uh, I don't don't know how many um, fans of music actually go, you know, but yeah, the gig was well attended and and we had a nice run on stage.
0: It it was kind of a, a celebration. It was like 25 years of two part two. And you were yeah. playing with Nicholas Pashberg, Whispering Sons, Barakov, Barkov. Uh so I, it didn't feel like it was kind of like much of a showcase, more of a kind of a celebration. That's what it seems like to me.
1: Oh yeah, no, sorry, I was referring to my uh the main Eurosonic gig. The showcase of two for two. Yeah, I mean it was it was a twenty five minute set and that was that was nice because within the room there were, you know, a lot of people I work with and it was just a nice coming together to acknowledge sort of our work together so that was nice
0: and and so that's you kind of like gearing up into 2019 like getting ready to go out on tour getting ready to play quarter block party in cork as well but then uh going back to late in 2018 you played dublin unitarian church in uh the start of december that must have felt like a very special night kind of like a culmination of all of the good things that have been happening to you over the course of uh the year since you've released your debut album
1: yeah, I really did. I think playing at home can be nerve wracking. The Unitarian Church is a beautiful space. Yeah, it was just lovely. And then I had uh, friends on support, a special guests, and, you know, it was a different evening. It felt really special and uh, it was fun. Yeah, everybody just helped out. You know, it's very DIY, but in a good way. I mean, <laughs> we were all just helping each other out and doing each other's lights and sound and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it was cool.
0: It's another church, like in Ireland, that you're playing. Like, do you enjoy doing those sort of gigs, like these kind of bespoke spaces?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was asked in an interview the "Am I doing a church tour?" But <laughs> actually, no. It's it, it was never sort of planned that way. Just the the spaces that have sort of uh, presented themselves, like being free and that suit the vibe and that are intimate. And yeah, it was another church.
0: For you um, as a musician, does it change much from playing like such a small, intimate space like the Unitarian Church in Dublin to going out on a support slot with low across Europe? Like, do you have to kind of recalibrate the live show or is it like a very simple, this is what I do, I can do it anywhere sort of vibe?
1: No, I think it definitely changes from gig to gig. Um, There is that element of it. I kind of treat it differently to the recorded versions of the songs. And I do tailor each gig to the space or I try to because that's has been a natural thing to do. But playing, uh, yeah, so uh, the, the gigs for me, they tend to be different from gig to gig, whether they be different songs or a different mood or might use more synths or not or play the songs more stripped back or uh, more acoustically or whatnot. So going out and tour with low in Europe, yeah, it'll be different. I'm bringing uh, drummers, so, which is cool. Yeah, I think they'll be slightly different. I mean, even the venues themselves dictate the tone, so <laughs> it's a new thing. It feels fresh and new and exciting.
0: Going back to the album, it feels it seems like this is just the latest in a long line of success that you've had with Cult. Did it always feel like you'd created something special?
1: For me, Cult was like it was a very personal record. Um, I feel very intimate. Uh, so, when I when I was making the record, I think it was made from a very vulnerable space, from a long period of time writing and recording at home on my own. So I had an inkling about it. I mean, I think even in the process of making something, you know, I just followed my instinct, really, on on the songs that ended up on the record. And um, I was precious about it and careful with it. And I enjoyed, I, I really enjoyed um, the process of making it.
0: When you are kind of on your own r- recording an album like this, does it, does it kind of get hard to actually follow your instinct? Do you kind of start to second guess yourself a lot?
1: Well, with cults that actually never happened, um, miraculously enough. I mean, I think it was after a long period of writing that. So I think that I, because I gave it a lot of time, it emerged of itself. The shape of it sort of uh, had a clarity to it. So yeah, and then when I brought it to James, he uh, understood the core of the record and uh, we both valued keeping its character of the initial takes. There was a real clarity to the making of this record, which is cool. Because, uh, you know I, know, I know what it's like to go down rabbit holes and um, meet cul-de-sacs and all that stuff. And it can be very tough going, but with cult, that never happened.
0: Sometimes those cul-de-sacs can be helpful as well, informative.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I'd been down many uh, prior to this record, so I don't know. I also felt very ready to record it. I suppose that helped.
0: Uh, You mentioned James. That's James Kelly, who makes music under Wife, and he was also in the metal band Altar of Plagues. How did uh, that relation strike up? He co-produced and mixed the album. Like, How did you come across him?
1: I had met James a year prior to us working together, and then... I told him about the project and I asked him whether he was interested. And I loved his Stoic EP, um, which is a gem of a record. So, and I also love where James is coming from, like heavier palettes. He has exquisite taste. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, that was a conversation over a period of maybe the guts of six months anyway.
0: You recorded it on an 8-track in your bedroom, like the stuff that kind of that we hear now, is that still like those recordings or was it kind of completely re-recorded, redone with James?
1: No, I recorded this over a period of time. Yeah, so a lot of the recordings, actually like 95% of the recordings are um, what I recorded initially. And then like I went back and forth to Berlin with James. So I, with James, I probably recorded one guitar take and and then I went back to my bedroom and did more vocals. and, But, uh, yeah, no, a lot of that stuff, most of the record is recorded at home.
0: That's kind of amazing that, like, you can record this thing in your bedroom and, like, it sounds so uh, great and so lush and stuff. I mean, this seems like something that you probably couldn't have done, like, at you know, 15 years ago or something.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's very empowering, you know, what you can do at home. But also, I think a lot of it, I mean... A lot of it is down to mixing as well, I think. Uh, with James, we spent a long time mixing.
0: Does it feel like it took a while to find your voice kind of as, quote-unquote, Hillary Woods, like what you actually wanted to write about? Like the songs on the album seem quite personal. Like, was it actually hard to actually figure out what that you were actually going to write about these things?
1: Um, no, I felt uh, it took courage and it felt exposing to let someone else hear, hear these songs. But it was very much, it felt like a record that needed to be made for me personally. And so um, I couldn't really jump over that hoop in order to make something else, if you know what I mean. Um, So it felt like uh, something I had to go through. But yeah, I mean, it certainly felt that I was exposing myself and I didn't know how I felt about other people hearing these songs yeah <laughs> i felt a whole lot of uh a range of emotions but i felt it was worth taking that risk though
0: does that stretch to playing live as well some of them can be a little bit difficult to perform live or do you feel a little bit detached from them having played them like so much since the album came out last year
1: i know i mean i it depends on on they kind of have a life of their own I, some of them i feel closer to than others um but yeah, they definitely have that live element where they still have a, like an inner felt liveness to them, um, some, some of them. I'd say, though, my live set is different from the record in that it's, some of the songs are more fragile live and others are much heavier live. So dynamically, there's more range there, I think, with the live set, where the entire record feels quite quiet.
0: And and have you started making new music since uh, the album came out? Or have you, you know, you've got to kind of like go back to the kind of creative cave?
1: Yeah, no, I have. I have started. Um, yeah. So I've started writing. I've done I did a lot of writing towards the end of last year. And um, yeah, so I'm kind of currently working on a second record.
0: I, I probably can't push you too much. Like, when, when do you think it'll be released? Like, do you think it'll be... Like do you think it'll be done the same as Colt like kind of like in your in your house just yourself working away and then kind of maybe going back to James again?
1: I'm not sure I think this is a very different beast. Um I don't know, I think it's too early to call. But I do like it's is priming at home. I, I do not, I like working on my own and that's probably after a lot of trial and error in different studios and it just suits me to to work at home on my own. But I think this record is very different, Colt. So we'll see what how it develops.
0: You've had like such a, an interesting journey, like playing with JJ seventy two before kind of finding your own voice as an artist in a solo guise. Did did it actually take a while to decide on what you wanted to do, like in in between everything, or were you always were you always confident that you had something else in you like this?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I was very young in the band. So I, I'd say, I mean, I was literally in sixth year. So, <laughs> and then I, I left the band at 22. So, um, and it was a very packed four years of rarely being at home and touring all the time. So I think I felt I had to jump ship from that because I felt my own creative was sort of being um, stifled. a bit just on a personal level. I always felt that I I was going to just follow my own nose and explore my own thing. But I I always felt that from from day one, I'd say. But as to what to do, I mean, I think I left the band and I went into painting. I had a baby and I went to college and (laughs) I was feeling, you know, my way along. So I, you know, I at that at the same time, like at the same time, I was returning to my first instrument, which is the piano, and um, I was writing stuff myself. But so I didn't know how that would sort of realize itself. I didn't want to force anything. I didn't know for sure it was going to go back into music or anything. I was just le- leading a quietly, uh, about very busy life myself, but creative one. I'd say those those years are very creative. It was a far cry from from life on the road uh, with that band and um, i also was playing with friends in in, in around dublin i was playing keys and synths and writing songs all very low key and i was, I was just busy with stuff i i did film and trinity and i was doing other bits of writing for other things and so i think it's just sw- slowly emerged i think i was very careful about going back into music because i i'm not sure if if um my relationship with that world, I wasn't prepared to go into the same world in music. If, if I was going to go back and, and do my own thing, I wanted to kind of do it my own way. So that was very important to me. So I suppose it took a while to realize maybe that was possible.
0: Did it take a while while you were um, making your own music to actually figure out how you would make it work on your own terms?
1: I don't know. I, I suppose I was always seeking, you know, it was a process of discovery of what was working for me and what wasn't i certainly think that how i was going to go about uh, being creative and uh, making music was very important to me
0: i mean it it must have taken like a lot of courage i think to leave something successful like jj72 like were you kind of wrestling with the idea for ages before like you know finally deciding that you need to take the the leap
1: i yeah i was i mean i was unhappy um I was unhappy towards the end. I knew it was coming, so there was an element of dread there. And everybody, everybody knew it was coming. So yeah, I mean, I suppose um, at the time, you know, typical. I was, <laughs> I was offered things once uh, once they knew I was going to jump ship. <laughs> but yeah, there was a certain element of um, of frustration, and it was pretty pretty terrifying because I went into that band, as I said. Uh, very young and I hadn't known life outside the band whilst not being in school although on a personal note I was was delighted to have made the decision and there was an element of relief and all that stuff so so yeah and then I just wish the guys all the best with what you know with their way forward and then that was all cool
0: and and are you kind of much happier now as as like an artist in your own right like have you kind of made it work and you're much um more well i'm gonna say happier again i was trying to think of a different word but i was like uh, is, is it better this time
1: <laughs> oh well it's a completely different it's like as if it's it's a completely different world that i'm inhabiting in terms of a music world it's an independent label i can work at my own pace and explore my own thing and i think it's it's empowering. Yeah, I I feel much happier.
0: I I guess like that kind of doing your own thing kind of extends to uh, the tweet that was sent about Other Voices late last year. I don't think we need to dwell on the details of that. That idea of not feeling that you're getting your money's worth from a gig, is that something that you've only come to regard as a big issue in recent times? Like Would you have thought 10 years ago or something that you do any gig for the, you know, kind of quote unquote exposure? Now is it, it has to make sense for me to do this gig. It has to make sense financially and personally for me to like go out on tour with Lowe or something. You're not going to do it just for the exposure.
1: Um, Well, I think, look, I, I have a lot of feelings on this. I think it's a huge issue. And only in music do you find this idea that everybody in the room, including the film crew, the lighting designer, the sound engineer, the production team, the PR man, everybody gets paid except the musician. Now, personally, I find that very distasteful and very disrespectful. And then on top of that, me having to, to cover all my expenses and pay, pay whomever is playing with me or whoever comes down with me. And to even assume that someone in my position or any musician has that kind of money—it's in 2019. It's really crazy, and particularly a festival that pays—you know—that you know—it's—it's you know, it's, it's not that everybody doesn't get paid, and um, it all depends on the context of the festival. So I don't want to dwell on on that. It, it, it obviously, you know, I just feel that in general, I feel this idea that in music it's okay to ask the artist to play for. It does not, you know, exposure. Its its currency has, has dwindled. To play for free when everybody else is, get, is afforded the respect and dignity of getting paid is kind of crazy. And I think that every musician um, feels that. I, I don't. Know, I don't see the logic, and I, I certainly don't think it's it's cool at all.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, it, it certainly struck a chord anyway, like you you could see a lot of people uh, were talking afterwards about it. And I do think that it is something that it just takes, you know, like uh, if, like artists speaking out about it before it changes. But then I suppose you're you're kind of always going to have it because festivals are going to like the big festivals are going to be like. Uh, you know we can we'll just move on to the next thing so hopefully it's hopefully it's something that will change in uh, 2019.
1: Well I mean I think that it's something that can't go on any longer and I think that if a festival really values the artist's contribution why not then include the artist in their budget when everybody else is included in their budget. I think it's a very important issue it's just self-explanatory really
0: i, I guess talking <laughs> this is an awful segue talking about festivals you're playing uh quarter black party in february which is always a really really uh great weekend in cork um this is the fifth year i think that it's uh been put on you looking forward to getting back down to cork and playing Triskel Christchurch, an- another yeah. church in your itinerary
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> on medieval burial grounds too right? Like. I think, <laughs> which is cool. And um, yeah, I love Cork. There's a lot of great artists from Cork and I'm really looking forward to it. My pal Juno is opening the show and I think it'll be cool. I can't wait.
0: Logistically, how does it work? I'm just looking at the uh, at the tour dates here. You're going to be flying <laughs> from Hamburg Hamburg back to Cork and then the next day back out to uh, Denmark?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be very busy weeks. But yeah, so I fly in from Hamburg that morning or that afternoon. And do the show in in the Triscoll, and then I drive to Dublin <laughs> and get the plane to Copenhagen.
0: Uh, I, I hope your I hope your sleep pattern doesn't get too uh, <laughs> too out of wha- out of whack from all that.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of lucky that way. I, I kind of can sleep, you know, easily. It's fine.
0: <laughs> Great. Well, um, I think that that's everything that I have for you. Is there anything else that uh, we need to know? Like, what are your plans for the rest of the year after the after you finish up with Low? Is it just kind of going back and uh working away on this new music
1: um i'm going to the states in march um so i'm doing a tour in the states with marissa nadler and and then i'm going to be doing some recording after that so yeah it's it's quite busy
0: great well hopefully 2019 is as successful as 2018 proved for hillary woods
1: thank you and thanks a million thank you